Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is the Power Element Podcast. I am producer Paul, and this is episode number six. We have a great show for you guys lined up for today, but first I wanted to highlight our promotional partners. First up, Jelco. Jelco is a family-ran business manufacturing high-quality, handcrafted Lyman's products since 1892. They offer body belts, pull chokers, safety harnesses, bags, and lanyards, plus much, much more. Jelco is a trusted brand that provides its users the confidence they need to get the job done safely. A uh, big shout out to our friend Kat from Jelco. Uh, you can hear her story on episode four. Uh, go check out their Instagram at Jelco Safety. Next up, Milwaukee Tool. Since the company began in 1924, Milwaukee Tool has led the industry in developing innovative solutions that deliver increased productivity and unmatched durability for the professional users. Milwaukee offers line trade specific tools. Some of the hot items include plastic lights, presses, hand tools, cable cutters, and much, much more. Follow their Instagram at Milwaukee Tool. Need some apparel? Check out Alternating Current Line Clothing. This apparel company was established in 2020 and is line family owned and operated. They offer tees, hoodies, hats, and just recently launched tank tops for women. We are proud to have the Hitchcock family as part of our team. Head on over to their Instagram at Alternating Current Line Clothing to get the latest swag. All right, last but not least, working athlete. Set your workforce up for success by giving them the proper nutritional foundation they need to be on top of their game. Working Athlete offers hydration, energy, and nutrition products to help workers perform at the highest level. Working Athlete is proudly made in the USA. Uh, I'm currently using their products, and I love it. It's great. It's awesome. Uh, Go check out their Instagram at Working Athlete. Go to their websites, workingathlete.com or wildernessathlete.com. Use promo code POWERELEMENT to get 20% off at checkout. All right, we got a special guest for you guys, Kelsey Sharon, all the way from from Canada. Uh, She is a combat veteran, CEO, and author. She shares an amazing message with us and just has a passion for conversation. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this this episode. Uh, Before we get started, I wanted to uh, send a special thank you to Sturgeon Electric California and the entire Sturgeon workforce for making this podcast possible. Uh, Thank you guys very much and enjoy the show. (laughs) well episode six here we are paul what's up good how's your throat doing you got a little tea Got a little tea today. Um, just felt, yeah, just a long night, but had a great time with the boys. And we finished up some leadership training this week. Uh, we had OSHA 20 leadership and action training. What do you think? I think it went great. I think ultimately, um, I think our guys needed it. I think, you know, as, as leaders, we got to continue to train. Yeah, we, we covered leadership, mm-hmm. uh, crew dynamics, personal growth, team growth. Uh, I wrote down a couple quotes from the training. Mind if I share them real quick? I would love to hear them. Thank you. Uh, your good friend, crew leader, Roger Edinger, made a quote, wrote it down. He said, however, however you will lead 100%, however you lead will 100% affect your crew. What do you think? That's exactly it. I mean, you almost have to make sure that you set the example all the time. And when you set those examples, you have to understand that we only can accept what we tolerate. Right. Right. And once we tolerate it, we've set that standard. So, yeah. Thank you, Roger, for that. Appreciate that. A lot of pressure as a leader um, sets the tone from, from the jump. Uh, next uh, quote I wrote down was from our regional safety manager at Sturgeon, Scott Adams. 
good friend of yours. Hey, Scott. He said, dare to be different. Lead. What do you think? I think it's, I mean, well said, Scott Adams. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't do things normal, for sure. You have to, you definitely have to make sure that you're unique in your style. Because if you're not unique, then it just becomes null and guys don't listen. And so, I think you can lead just, yeah. you can lead yourself. You can lead your coworker. You don't have to exactly be in a leadership position to be in the lead of something, correct? You think? What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's, uh, are you, are you the host here? Cause I feel like I'm being questioned. I got you. <laughs> I <last laughs> I'm just kidding. No, you know, I agree with you. I totally agree with that, that statement. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm hijacking your show. <laughs> All right. Last quote. And it's from you, obviously. Uh, you do oh. get, you do give a safety message in the morning. Uh, you, you take the time as a director. It's, it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, here you go. Once you believe in the culture, you have a better impact. Uh, I want to change better and maybe say bigger too. I think you can, you can switch those around. Uh, but I, I thought it was a great quote from you and, and I do, I do get it. We are definitely trying to switch, uh, the culture into a positive, uh, positive manner. And I, I think once you believe in it as an individual, you can have better, better, and better and bigger impact. And it takes time. It takes time. Cultures doesn't change overnight, you know, Paul. And it's, um, it's things that we're doing like today, you know, having a podcast and really trying to get the message out, uh, to all, all of our, all of our guys out there, you know, that are listening and just make sure that we constant effectively communicate Yeah, and, and it takes time. Yeah. And, and I think training like that on a company level really engages the leaders and, and it, it really starts that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's the conversation we've encouraged from day one. And we try to encourage you through this podcast. Um, that's kind of why I'm excited to have this guest because that's been her mission since day one is just engage in that conversation. It's engaging in conversation. Um, it's, you know, you got to have intention, got to have purpose. Um, you got to effectively communicate, like I said, but ultimately you got to have fun. I think you got to sprinkle in some fun because if you're not having fun, just like in safety, you know, you're not, you're not being safe. So yeah. at the end of the day, I think if we're having fun, and we have purpose, I think we can get a lot more out of our, out of, out of our trades, being tradesmen. Absolutely. I agree. That's all I have. You can have your show back. <sighs> well, thank you. Jeez. Well, like I said, welcome to episode six. This is the Power Element Podcast. Um, I'm super excited to have our guest today. Um, actually a little bit nervous, um, <laughs> but um, I think it's, we're going to have some fun. Like I said, um, I do want to start with a, just a quick message, um, you know, I got this book in front of me and it, it's a book that was introduced to me through a podcast and um, I'm, I'm just going to read a quote from it and it's do the effing work, lowbrow advice for high level <laughs> creativity by Jason Botcher, Brian, Brian Burge and Jason Richberg. Um, obstacles are effing opportunities. The hill you're climbing right now is only small point in lifelong journey. There'll be mile, many milestones to reach, many new plateaus to strive for. It's not where you're standing when you stop to look around that, re that reveals the quality of the stuff that you're made from, but the poise and pluck you demonstrate as you shoulder your burden and climb to the next highest place, and it takes tenacity. You agree, Paul? I do. I, I love that word tenacity, too. I think it's not used enough. It's not used enough, and... Before I introduce our guest here, you know, I, I admire her qualities and I think it's, she's very tenacious and she has tenacity and I'm just going to just, just describe what tenacity means. It's defined as mental strength to resist hardships over all obstacles. So with that said, I want to welcome CEO, author, podcast host, and com combat veteran, Kelsey Sharon. Thank you for joining. 
Wow, that was quite an intro. Jesus. <laughs> Can't say I've had that. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. How are you? I'm I'm super good. I am just enjoying freedom right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm enjoying all aspects of freedom, whether it be from having our child with us to just getting to spend time with my husband for a bit or just that I don't have to wear a mask for five minutes. I'm super yeah. stoked on life right now. Awesome. Well, welcome to the States. Thank you. Being, yeah. from, being from Canada. And yeah. what, what do you think of the studio? Oh, your studio, it's great. You did, honestly, it's, it's quite welcoming. It's one of those like very nice to have everybody in it's not like one of those cold environments it's it's a nice environment i like it i awesome. dig it awesome well before we get started here i'd love to st- I, I i know about you i, re- mm-hmm. I listen to all your podcasts uh, oh gosh and- poor soul <laughs> well not all of them i kind of skipped through some of them but no <laughs> i would too no um I would love for our listeners to get to know you and know who you are as a person and, and why we selected you i think everybody will see why we selected you for episode six so well, please let us know who you are. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, so my name is Kelsey Sharon and I'm the CEO of Brass and Unity. Um, I run a company called Brass and Unity, a podcast called Brass and Unity. And our whole mission in life, as I am a veteran who served overseas, is to help others. And the way that we do it is through our products and our storytelling and the people we talk to. And then we turn around and donate 20% of the net proceeds to different veteran organizations all over the world. So how it works for us and how we donate our money is very important. Um, and that's why I talk about it as much as I do. So when you order product from us, if you're from the United States, that money for donation stays here. So it doesn't go back to Canada to Canadian vets or other vets, it goes to there. So same with Canada, Europe, Australia, wherever the order comes to, that's where we donate to. And so we work with these organizations that are doing the hard work. I'm just the vehicle to get the money in the hands of the people that are doing the real work. And so I'm not anything special, but what I what I think is different about me and, and maybe others is that I've I've taken uh, a situation and been fortunate enough to have enough of a support system to allow me to grow into what I am now. And that is a company owner and author. And, you know, my mother, I've got, I, I literally wear a bajillion hats and I say a bajillion cause that's a word in my life. Cause that's how I <laughs> describe how much shit I have going on. <laughs> and yeah, thank you. I love my hats too. They are, they make me happy. Femel is an incredible hat company and I'm very thankful to be working with them. Um, it's just really like a safety blanket. Let's be honest with ourselves. So, so, so Brass and Unity is awesome. It's great. I, I can tell you, I love the product. Thank you. Um, I know it's more than a product. It's a movement. And yeah. Thank you. But before we get into Brass and Unity, yeah, I really want to hear about your military career, if you okay. don't mind. And okay. kind of where you started, if you could. Yeah. Um, why the military? How did that come about? So I just recently found out uh, while I was in the middle of writing the book that my grandfather served in the military. But up until that point, I was under the impression my whole life that nobody in my family had served. So I had no real aspirations for that. I didn't, it's not like I hunted or I shot guns for fun or, I mean, I grew up on 17 acres with a modest family with two, my parents are long haul truck drivers and I, I had everything, but I never wanted to shoot or hunt. We just didn't do that kind of stuff. Um, that being said, when it came to the military, I had no aspirations. I, I didn't think of it as a career choice or option and just coming from where I was. But what had happened was I went to college in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada and subsequently still the tiniest part of Canada. It doesn't compute in my brain. Um, so Ottawa is, uh, has tons of military, but they're all like officers. So you see them running around, but you see them more where I was from. I wasn't seeing them as much. Um, that being said, 
I'm a big history fan. And so I love, I love looking back at old war history. I love looking back at further ancient history. I just am quite fascinated with it. And so I've always known about, you know, everyone knows about World War II, but I've always been very interested in the, what happened, how it worked, what it, you know, the whole ins and outs of it from a military perspective, all the way down to like humanity. And so I was on, I went to uh, Remembrance Day, which is November 11th. So Veterans Day for you guys. We just call it something different. Okay. We wear poppies. You don't. We're British Commonwealth. <laughs> so um, I went to the ceremony as I normally do. And it's the biggest one because it's in Ottawa. And I was on the bus back and I met a lady. Um, she was in an old Air Force uniform. Just, just very, very badass looking. Had this air about her. And she was fantastic because... She just looked like she had so much like wisdom and knowledge. And, and to mm -hmm. me, it was like, it just drew me in. And so I just like walked up to her and talked to her and just sat with her. And then I left and just went on with my life. But mm -hmm. what I took from that was there was something about her that made me want to be like her. Do you remember what that was? No, I don't <laughs> understand what it was either. Cause yeah. still to this day, I'm like, there's no, it's not like I was failing at a school. Like I just started college in September. I did this in November. Mm -hmm. It's not like I was, you know, there was really no other excuse other than this woman had such an impact on me. And so I got off the bus, walked into my next class, my next class, told my professors I was out. And then I found, um, I found a recruitment office and I walked in mm -hmm. and I was like, I want to blow things up. And they're like, you know, we're in an active <laughs> nice. war right now. And I was yeah. like, sure do. Mm -hmm. And I knew in Canada, it's not like it was here. This was uh, 2007, right? Or yeah, 2007, so, right. So I graduated high school in 2007. I went to Ottawa College then. Um, but the thing was, is like I have a late birthday, so I was 17. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, I was only like barely 18 years old when I signed up. So she was like, you know that like stuff's going on. Like there's like war. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm aware. Because, you know, at the time I watched the news. Now I'd rather stab myself in the face. But I watched it then and I knew, I understood. And that was kind of at the height of when things were peaking in Afghanistan and it started to really pop off. Yeah. And Iraq was already kind mm -hmm. of not winding down, but it, it, it started, you know, Fallujah had happened, like all these things had happened. And so I was aware and um, she was like, okay, what do you want to do? And I was like, um, I just want to do something on the front lines. <clears throat> and in Canada and this is before now you guys have it um, where you can have women uh, go out for infantry and artil artillery and armored. But we've all, I think we've had it always like for quite a while. The U S it was uh, 2013, I believe. Was it 2013? Yeah. Thank mm. you for having, thank God. Okay. Cause here's the thing. I, I know that it happens. I know it's starting, but I could, for the life of me, I couldn't find an accurate date as to when it started implementing in the United States. I could be wrong. It could be wrong. No, but, but that's the most yeah. accurate. Like right. th yeah. It's yeah. Not, I, that's what I thought it was around, but I wasn't a hundred percent. Cause I was in 2002 to 2006 and it was still, still no women on the front yeah, lines. Yeah. 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 There exactly. Was, obviously in the military in the military but the front lines is different yeah yeah like yeah so story. like we, there's still like female marines and stuff but like infantry armored and artillery and so she kind of looked at me like i was losing my shit and i was like no i want to i want to do something i want to go infantry and then she looked at my five foot stature and was like that's probably not happening for you try again and i was like okay let's do artillery and she's like okay cool yeah for all our listeners in, in front of us is <laughs> five foot. <laughs> and yeah. That's a stretch. Right? Qualifier, right? Shut your mouth. Yeah. I rolled my back out for this shit. I'm barely five foot, but I rolled that shit out. I know how to, I know how to look taller. Get out of here. So, also, rumor also has it that you may have fought a little bit as well. Did yeah, you fight? Yeah, I was a, I'm a national champion in Taekwondo and I'm a secondary black belt. <laughs> How? Uh, yeah. You know about that? I haven't fought in a minute, but my last fight was. When did you fight? I, my last fight that I fought was, I believe, I was twenty. So it's been a decade, but 
Don't get it twisted. <laughs> Her husband's <laughs> laughing. But. I will like these tree trunks will still snap your face. <laughs> like they're all I've got. Like I don't have the upper arm strength. Like I'm not into jujitsu. Like our son just started jujitsu. Yeah. I got to work on that arm strength, that grip strength, because I'm like this kid's gonna school me real soon. So so yeah, yeah. It took courage. Took I mean, you're brave, obviously, to do to do get in the military, right? I, I mean, I don't know if it was brave or stupid. <laughs> because at the time I didn't know better. I didn't know better. And that's yeah. honest to God, the truth. Like I, I was started fighting when I was four years old and I started fighting because mm -hmm. my mom saw like a demonstration and was like, okay. do you want to try it? And I was like, sure. But we had this rule in the family that if you try something, you have to do the whole term of whatever you have been signed up for mm -hmm. before you're allowed to decide if you're going to stop. And so my mom was this big, like C the word C, like can't, that word is, doesn't exist in our home, not even a little bit, like cut it out of the dictionary level crazy about it. And so she was like, I tried it and I, I got really good at it really early on. And my brother started too, but Dylan's hips couldn't unlock. So he couldn't fucking pivot and kick, right? And so he was like yellow belt and he's like, I'm out. Like this kid was embarrassing. So he, he went out and he started racing and then um, moto and then I stuck with it. And so that was the difference. And by the time I was 12, I was the national champion. Um, and so, wow. yeah, so I, I've been tiny pretty much my whole life. And then, <laughs> yeah, I just, and then I stopped just, and you stopped growing and then I stopped growing <laughs> legitimately <laughs> just, nope, that's, that's, that's enough. And yeah. then, yeah, so the military wasn't, I don't know that it was like a brave choice, but I've always had that mindset of, uh, overcoming and just not stopping. And that's, that's really all it you was. You do the work. Normal. I do the work. I you put the, the work, work in mm -hmm. and, um, nobody, that way no one can ever fault me for anything like that. So yeah. the military was that kind of, for me, when I went in, I had just finished playing uh, five years of rugby at a competitive level. And, you know, I tore my eyelid off during a game. What and I, what? Yeah, it was, a, it was super cute. My mom loved that one. Let me zoom in the camera. <laughs> yeah, off. Um, it was hanging by the inner corner. Oh, it was, oh my God. I had no idea. It was just, so it was a, it was a for fun game. It was like, what, what do you call those? Like exhibitions? But in real life, there's no exhibitions. So fuck that. We're not losing. And Especially we were about rugby. to. I mean, well, well, it is was there just, flag rugby? No, it was like, it was like, a, right. That could be, that'd be worse. No, it was like one of those games where it's like, okay, we're going to all like play rugby, but it's like, who cares who wins or loses? This is right. practice. But in my mind, I'm like, I still hate them. Right. I still need to win. Mm -hmm. And so I just went, I went a little too hard once. Where does that work ethic come from that you have? Mom and dad. Your mom and dad. Mom and dad for sure. Yeah. yeah. My, um, my dad is like, t uh, one of, uh, seven and he didn't have running water in his house till he was 12 farm family. Like, and he was the baby. Mm -hmm. So he just got the shit beat up. Like, <laughs> so my dad is a hard ass and he's a long haul truck driver. And then my mom, um, she, she stayed at home with us. But before that, I grew up in Canada. I grew up in Canada okay. in Ontario, Ontario, really, really small town. Mm -hmm. Um, so my mom, I kind of watched my mom raise us cause my parents were together, but my dad was gone two or three weeks out of the, out of the month, you mm -hmm. know? So my mom was like single mom in it, even though she wasn't. And so I just watched her just power through shit. I mean, she was angry all the time at the time, but she, <laughs> she got it done. And so I couldn't complain. She had two kids in two different sports at two different ages, just by herself. So she just had this ethic that my dad had this ethic. And I knew that, you know, I just, I don't, I don't like to quit the idea of quitting. I would rather stab myself in the leg, like a Will Ferrell movie than deal with like whatever that pain is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, it's, I think it's just more from my parents and that influence. I think you still, I mean, you get, I think we all get our values from our parents. Um, but I think you also, you know, with the people you surround with currently, you know, your oh, family, now. Yeah. You, you keep building and building on that. Right. Yeah. And now it's a little different. Yeah. Now you pick and choose who you want to be around right. as, as yeah, you before pick role models and you know, uh -huh. who you look up to. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I don't, 
I don't have like a particular individual I would say I look up to. It's more of, for me, it's like, I always want to try to surround myself with people that are doing more, bigger and better than me. Mm-hmm. I always want to be in that group of people. I want to walk in to this just elite level of people and know that if I work hard enough and I, and I ask enough questions and I inform myself enough and I educate myself enough and I put the time in, then I know I can be that person. And when I get to be that person, I'll do the same thing for the people that are coming up. The people, if you show work ethic and you show strut, like you're you know driving and that you're going to do whatever it takes to get it done, no one's going to fault you and no one's going to say no to you. Right. 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 Yeah. And you and you bring you bring up your entire team. Ex- exactly. And you that's bring what it's up everybody about. around you. Well, when you're talking about yeah. leadership there yeah. for a second, that's mm-hmm. a huge thing. And I know now, like I was mm-hmm. an NCO, so I was never like a leaner because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't an officer. And let's be honest with ourselves. What, what is an NCO? So it's like a non-commissioned officer. Okay. So I was a private, you know, like private corporal gunner, like okay. that whole sort of deal. Um, except I was a gunner because I was artillery. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was never that person. But then when I got out of the military, and right before the military, when I was like coaching and teaching Taekwondo, like I was that leader at like 12. I was teaching grown men who were going for their black belts when I was 12. <laughs> so like, but I could do that because I was loud enough and I, I, I made them respect me early on. And so I've always had that where I just, the, the thing is I just shove me down people's throats so aggressively <laughs> that they, they choke don't know what to do. <laughs> and they don't know what to do with it. And then they so they just, it. they ex- say yes. Cause they're like, just make it stop. <laughs> and then, and then once I, they take, they come up for air, I'm like, yeah, hi. And they're like, all right, I'll, I'll applaud the effort. So I'll, I'll talk to you. <laughs> I can like, appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It gets it done. I, uh, I want to go back to the military. Yeah. Okay. So I joined. So you joined. I joined. It was great. Um, They're like, you know, active war, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Mm -hmm. So I joined. um, They're like, yeah, we'll call you when it's time. They call me two weeks later. Mm -hmm. They're like, you're going to swear in now. And then you're going to basic training like in January, the beginning of January. So 2008, went to basic, did that. I mean, it's basic training. Just watched people fail out and just, Mm -hmm. that were just unhealthy. And you just are like, try, just try with your life. And Mm -hmm. so did that. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Did um, DP1 and SQ, which is like our weapons training. So grenades, Carl G's, um, C7, C6s, C8s, the weapons. Yeah. You do mm-hmm. the weapons gamut, you know, everybody, all the basics, every soldier needs to know how to run in case they are getting overrun. And then you go to do your trades training specific. So then I went to artillery school and that's a different thing. So that's uh, yeah. DP one. See, that's the problem. Was I did that all just this by in chance French. that you chose artillery. Uh, well, no. I mean, they said no to infantry, and I was okay. like, okay, what's the other two options to be on the front lines? They're like armored or artillery, and I was like, well, I don't want to be in a tank because everything I heard about tanks is like when you blow, the driver dies first. Well, I'm, I'm for sure going to be the driver because I'm the smallest one <laughs> and I'm that. the lowest on the totem pole. So right. of course I'm going to die, and so I'm like, I don't want that, and I don't want to be crammed in. I get like, I'll get like claustrophobic. I don't know, just no. Mm-hmm. So I went artillery. And then we, on training though, we did, we practiced on the 105 howitzers, which are like a smaller 40 pound round. They go, uh, 15, 20K, 25K, mm-hmm. which is still a fair, am, am I right? Yeah. Okay. It's been a minute. <laughs> I was like yeah. 105. I'm like, cause I, I, I didn't work on the 105s overseas. I worked on the triple seven. So I know those, I know they go 40 to 45 on record. Da, da, da. I know that deal. And they have a hundred pound round and it goes up to my waist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I weighed the same as the round I was firing. So in miles, what is that? Uh, I know the M9, M982 um, Excalibur was about 26 miles. So yeah, so 40, miles. 40, 40 to 45K. Yeah, yeah. so 26 mm-hmm. miles. Yeah. yeah, so then the, the 45K one's like 
not like recorded, recorded. It's not the official. They say like 40 kilometers is like the official round. The Excalibur round's a special round because it's like a GPS guided. It's like a half a million dollar round. High target. High ta- oh, wow. high value target. High target and yeah. it's like a pinpoint accurate. We practiced with them when we got to in country just so mm-hmm. we knew how to run it. Cause you gotta like, you gotta get a call from Ottawa to get permission to shoot that thing. Cause it's worth so much money. And like the target's gotta be that kind of person. But once you open that case, you've got like what, an hour? To use that round, that's embarrassing, Spencer. <laughs> you have an hour to use that round and you open it. So you got it. It's, it's a whole thing. Anyway, so I went artillery, did the artillery course, had a couple setbacks where I, you know, I tore the uh, bottom of my feet off like oh. during a ruck march. They let me wear, get this. This is this is why I know I'm looking right at you because it's funny. They She's looking le- at Paul. Yeah, sorry. I'm looking, I'm looking right at Paul. I should say names. Um, and... Uh, they let me wear, ready? So they didn't have to recourse me. Flip-flops on the gun line. Like, please give her whatever she needs. Yes, Flip-flops on the gun I, line? I wore flip-flops on the gun line for two weeks. And then they let me get into running shoes because I had to wait for my feet to heal. And then I got to go back into boots and then do the ruck march again. So we did that whole like training. We graduate. And on the graduation day, we're, on, we're there and they're like, point to five of us. And we're all English speaking people. And they go, you're all being posted to Vaquette, say Quebec. And they only speak French. Nice. And you're going to deploy with them in April. So like September to April, you're going to learn like a whole new language and like all of the weapon systems in a whole new language. Perfect. Yeah. Kicker. They don't speak English. So you're just going to have to figure it out. <laughs> so I did that. That's like, that's like showing up to uh, the job site in tennis shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it, yeah without any sort of proper equipment, right. like steel toe yeah. boots. You're like, that's cute. <laughs> That uh, feels smart. Let's clear some things up. So you obviously in the Canadian. Yeah, I'm Canadian for, Army. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but, but uh, Canadian Army is part of NATO. We're on the same agreement. So obviously when you p- deployed, we were on the same side. So Correct. Tell but, that to Allegiant. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've seen that story on cool. you. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're on the same side. NATO NATO is, you know, the British military and the British military are made up of like the Fijians, the South Africans, the English, the Irish, the Scottish. And then you've got like. You know, France has a military, um, Aussies are part of NATO, Canada, US, like there's a, the massive group of us. We just, America just thinks they're them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of, we kind of still a show. We, we think it's all about us as far as the, the, the armed force is concerned. But when you, you got, it. when, when, uh, when, you, when we deploy being the United States, uh, Everyone else deploys too. Oh yeah, we all mm-hmm. go. We all are on rotation with yeah. you. And so anytime you guys decide to go fuck up a country, we're like, oh fuck, we're now we all because <laughs> one as soon as one NATO country hits another country, all of NATO, that's like part of the responsibility. That's the if you hit us, that's what you get behind it. Mm-hmm. And so like you guys are just fucking everything up. Yeah. You're like, let's do Iraq. <laughs> we're like, no. We're, They're we're, like, let's do Afghanistan. We're like, oh, you're a little honorary over here. <laughs> we yeah, are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. Don't ask our opinion. Yeah. Cause we, you know, we don't need it. We don't, yeah. why? Right. So, so I went and, um, I got posted to Vakitse and then, um, that was a whole, that was a whole trip and, um, started to learn how to speak French uh, as quickly as I could learn the remote weapon system. I was the T-Lab driver for the remote. Um, th- I was the T-Lab operator and I was the remote weapon system operator inside that T-Lab. And then, um, fortunately we didn't ever have to go outside the wire with that. Cause that on like IED roads is a nightmare. So mm-hmm. I did that. I deployed, um, I got end up getting borrowed by a British by the British and doing an operation with them, which subsequently ended my career in the military. And then uh, in 2011, I was medically released, 3B med release um, due to post traumatic stress disorder, and then I was booted out. So can I can I ask um, how was combat? I mean, for you, just I, I mean, mean, obviously challenges, and I'm sure there was a, yeah, a bunch that you had to go through. And well, I think I mean, firing your first weapon. I mean, how was that? 
Come well, back. well, that's a, I've never actually been asked that before. Um, firing my first artillery gun or my mm-hmm. first personal artillery. Artillery mm-hmm. is a different ball game um, because you practice like we do all of our workup training before we go to play. It's a five man gun, right? Uh, five yeah. to seven, okay. depending on how hard you want to run that thing and mm-hmm. how fast and you know that whole. And then you've got the two guns together, so you've got Alpha and Bravo together always. And these are million dollar guns. That's yeah, that's the what ba- I mean. No, correct. Mm-hmm. That barrel's a million alone. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah so just the barrel. I mean, not to go back, but how no, do you, it's how, fine. How do you train for that? I mean, if you can't even fire it because you got to get special approval, like how do you train? Oh no! And- so the Excalibur round yeah. is his own special round. Okay. You can still practice with HE, Loom, high okay. explosive, like that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. You learn all of that. But what we do mm-hmm. is you d- you do dry runs in um, Canada with them. And then you can go. I don't know if we... Uh, did I fire? We fought... Li- yeah, okay. So, sorry. I had to think about that. We fired um, in New Brunswick, which is one of the provinces east coast, past Ontario, way getting more east. Mm-hmm. They're also French, partially French, but it's Acadian French. So, it's really like... Um, like uh how do i even know how to describe it? it's really rough really rugged french it's the, quebec french is very like slang based paris french is very proper and then theirs is like very <laughs> and so it's really hard to understand like um bomba de chef robichaud like his wow. his when he talks he's like this like 250 300 pound man and, it's <laughs> and i'm like i know <laughs> and so you fire you fire live 105 rounds there okay you do live training and practice there and then you go to Alberta, which is West Coast, mm-hmm. and you do you do um, your. Is that work the California country. of Canada? Yeah, uh, that's BC. Oh, yeah, okay. no, we're the we're the legging wearing hippies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, Alberta is your uh, cattle, your farmers, your like wide open cow okay. space. So we do a, we do workup training there in a place called Wainwright. Some people call it Waincock. It depends on your day, and you do live fire, and but you do this, you do a big X like before, like everybody's involved in like playing war and like mm. you have fake Taliban attack and it's like a whole thing. So we fire live there cause it's the only open space cause it goes so far. But then before that, we also go down to Texas and we went to Fort Worth and we fired live down there. And then I got gastro cause you fucks didn't wash your hands. <laughs> gastro. It was so bad. I was in the hospital when I came home. It was the worst. I was like four days in a hospital. I couldn't understand any of the doctors or what they were saying to me. Okay. <laughs> So you got your training. I got it done. You got all your training yeah. done. And then so deployment was, uh, artillery deployed, is yeah. a whole thing with artillery is, you don't really see what you're hitting. That's that's what I'm going to try to understand is that first time you fire that weapon. You don't see what you're hitting. You so get a, you get a, you hit the target. That's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. that's the target. High fives. Right, yeah. That's what hey! I mean. Yeah, we hit the target. Yeah, 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 you hit the target. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, fire mission complete. Good job. Good job, target, target. So how'd that make you feel? The first time. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. You were there to do a job. They do a very good job Mm -hmm. of letting you know when you come in the country, when you go in country, and I'm sure he'll attest to this, you go in country, the first thing you start looking at is you have conversation about what's going on in the country. And right Mm -hmm. before that, there was like a big suicide bomber that just took it a bunch of kids and stuff. So I was like, I don't give a fuck. You're ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also they, Mm -hmm. they tell like, they do a brilliant job of making you hate them before you even get there. And you don't realize it until you're out and you kind of like start to like read and learn and discuss and understand culture. But if you're young and impressionable, I was 18. You yeah. tell me to hate them. Okay, cool. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Killed a bunch of our people. Hate them. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Totally get it. So it was like that. So the, so the challenges, were there any other challenges or did you have any other challenges other than being five foot in the military? <laughs> Yeah, I had a lot of challenges. <laughs> and a female. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how long you want to go here, but yeah, I had a lot of challenges. I, you know, there was a lot of things that happened. We had somebody coming to the base that we shouldn't have been in there, and I happened mm-hmm. to be the person that he targeted to 
try to find out information about the guns. Mm -hmm. And because I got sent out to a FOB and we didn't go to a Canadian FOB like the rest of the unit did. We went to an American FOB called FOB Ramrod in the Maywan district. And um, it's a really small FOB. And there was two artillery guns there, and the rest was Americans. So uh, we were there to support. FOB is, please? A forward, forward, obser- forward, observation, forward observation base out in the middle of fuck off nowhere. And we have these big, what are those things called? You know, the round, like we use them like walls, and you fill them with like gravel and stuff to make like the walls of the like FOB. Like a drum? Mm-hmm. Like a yeah, like the big drums, and they're filled like some material drum, and you put wiring around it, and then you make like walls with that, and you're like, home. <laughs> and so we do that, and then you've got like the all-purpose tents, and then you, you all have cots, and then the guys before us, they left us a great greeting gift which was a noose hanging from our tent Mm. which was super fun felt great and so we knew that was going to be fun and then what we had to overcome really was that the the americans that were there were english-speaking and spanish-speaking americans and we were a french unit okay so those guys didn't speak a lot of english except for like me and like three or four other rest of us Mm -hmm. so it was good and so we had to learn how to adapt and kind of do that and, and move forward on that. But there was a lot of things. When I went with the British, we, we had a lot of casualties. Um, uh, they had never worked with a woman on the front, that unit. I was with the 3rd Scott Battalion in, in the Black Watch. And I got borrowed to do female searching. So my job was to, once we kicked the doors in, to take the women and kids with me and search them in a room by myself. So I'd have like anywhere. And that was your job? That was my job to go with the British and do. Oh, wow. But that wasn't what I went to Afghanistan for. So I'm an artillery gunner. Yeah. So they took me off the guns. They said, we need a female that can do an operation on foot and handle herself and do herself and do what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. So they went through who was available and they said her for them. And so I went, I, I got to go with them and it wasn't, I had no clue it was going to happen. My sergeant, like my whole staff were like, great. Now we're down a person on the gun. When you're down a person on the gun, now you're down a person on the tower. When you're down a person on the OP tower, what you have to do is four hours on every single day. And the OP is observation post. So you're doing protection Mm -hmm. for your entire base. So when you're down a person, people aren't super stoked on that, but they're also not super stoked when you get to go do some cool shit. And they've been sitting there twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, and so, so favoritism. Favoritism. That's yeah. what they thought because the men can't touch. The men because, cannot touch the women the and children because of culture. The culture, yeah. exactly. So yeah. let's go. Let's go through that real quick. So I roll. No, but, yeah. for it, Paul. So you're with the you're you're breach. You're. In, I got taken a, from my fob. Yes. And then I got dropped off into calf and said, "You're going to go with these British guys. Meet the British guys." British guys goes, "We're taking her." And I go, "Yep." And they're like, "Awesome." So essentially, you're with a team. Yeah. You guys are breaching a house. And All week long. We just had an op on foot. We were just looking for someone and we were just door to door to door to door. So team breaches, constantly. the men take get the men. Obviously the, they have the information that the high targets, whatever, whatever and, we're doing. And then the females, typically they're the ones that hide stuff. What's, what's going on? So here, yeah. So kids? it's a mix of both. So we had a bit of both things going on. Normally what had happened was. The, and you're taking the females by yourself. Oh yeah. I had no one else there with me. So normally what had happened is the women and kids would flee. That's how it works. But then I, I don't know, I don't know if this was true or not, but I was told that what happened was somebody had leaked it that we were coming and it was mm. known. And so they stayed and they all stayed. So I would get an average of like eight to 12 kids and women by myself in a small room that I had to control and search. And most women, when they get to go with these people, this is what you do, but they don't, they don't send more than one of you. It's like, there's not more than one of the bomb dogs and there's not more than like two medics. So it's like, there's only a one of, you know, so I was like, they're like, don't go on the roof. And then I would like go on the roof. They're like, don't do that. And I'm like, sure, I'm going to do that. And they're like, don't engage in the firefights. Just stay down. No, I'm going to shoot. This is fun. Like, so I just would do everything I was told not to do. And then, yeah, I, yeah, it happened. Wasn't that, I mean, that had to have been terrifying. Walk, I mean, I mean, going it's not, there by yourself, I mean, is 
at any point something could happen. Right? No, because I in mean, my mind, yeah, oh yeah, fuck yeah, and stuff did happen. I had a lady I mean. come at me with a pair of scissors, and I just yeah. like so so bad. Andy Stump told me I should have shot her in her face hole, but literally. <laughs> so goes, what did you do though? But I hit her in the face with a buttstock. Perfect. Because I was in a room for other people that I didn't. Tire down I, well, no, she did. <laughs> she, was, she was down. She was down. <laughs> Was, she was out. She was out. Well, you come at me with sheer scissors, like you know, like material cutting ones yeah. that are like those big oh silver gosh. ones. Yeah. So then, what you do though normally is you put them all off to the side, and okay. if everybody's compliant, they'll just sit there and they'll wait the fucking turn, and the okay. kids will cry and you'll hate your life. It's fine. Was you there feel great? Was there any confusion? I mean, because obviously you're in a uniform. They, you guys, yes. You guys, people think you're a dude. I mean, it's very first time I went to search a house. I'm not even fucking kidding. First house, first house. We finished morning prayer. Morning prayer happened. They're like, we're going to hit them right after prayer. I'm like, that's nice. So then we did, boom, door in, in we go. And I start gathering the women. I start grabbing them. They're full, like burka, full screen, like glove, like the whole thing, rule area, no running water. Don't know anybody. Don't read. Don't, not, can't read. Who am I? I can't even speak. Um, they can't read all of those things, right? And so I grab them. And the, the dad or the grandfather grabs a hold of me. And I spin around and I start losing my shit. I take my helmet off and I'm like, my hair, I'm naturally blonde. So like bright blonde hair in a big braid that's been tucked in because the Brits are like, don't stand out. Don't do anything to stand out. Don't make our life harder than it's already going to be. Because like, they're like, she's this big. We have to, we're going to have to carry her. Yeah. They didn't carry their asses. That's who. There you go. <laughs> they know. Yeah, oh, they know. Yeah, they know. They know what's up. These guys are great. They're like some of the best people I've ever encountered in my life. Nice. So you didn't feel like you had to prove yourself then? Well, no, I, I, you know what? I felt like it was pretty easy for they you. They were very respectful to me. Mm -hmm. It was right before we got on the bus to go to the tarmac, like, cause there's different parts of calf. It's a huge base mm -hmm. and the British are off to the one side. So we get on the bus, all of us, and we just sit in the school bus and we wait to go to the plane. And I think one of them was mouthing off to me or just making a joke or whatever. And I don't think they thought I would come back with anything, but I just, I told them to go fuck themselves pretty like immediately. And like, I don't know if it was, they were like, they were stunned a bit. And I was like, <laughs> You don't like we don't do that or I'm going to do that. And they they kind of gave me a little bit of respect. And I I had a chip on my shoulder because I was always judged in the military. Yeah. They're like she's not going to lift around. She's not going to do that. It's like I'm not trying to say I'm anything special. There's small people in the military everywhere. Like like Andy said, there's like some Navy SEAL. He calls him. He's like, it's like three foot six. <laughs> and so there's some guys that are small. But for me, it was just always a challenge through. I always had someone saying she's not going to do that or she's not going to be able to do that. And then, so it was a constant, that was my entire life was like, she's not going to do it. She's not going to be able to do it. And so I'm just, I'm so used to just shutting it down immediately. Mm -hmm. And they respected that and they didn't question anything. What did, what did you appreciate the most with a special bond or how did you, how I did had you get a, through some of those, those, those guys, challenges? Yeah, those challenges for mm -hmm. me were very much so like just put my head down and keep going. I'm very good at like shutting my brain off and mm -hmm. just kind of going like a, uh, what's that bunny with Energizer bunny? Tick, tick, mm -hmm. tick, tick, tick. Keep going. Yeah, I, I'll, it'll suck and I'll hate it and I'll whine and I'll complain and I'll bitch, but I'll do it every time. Yeah. And so for them, what I really appreciated was after we lost our first person and we had our first casualty, they did an incredible job of. No, can, you, like, can you go through that? Describe that. I, I can give you a little bit. Yeah. So um, we we were in the middle of the op, um, uh, the we were like two days in, and we were going to clear this opening, and it was a, a huge wide open spaces, and we had like one combat uh, combat. We had one um, group of guys, sniper unit, that went over into the uh, what's it called, like just the compound, and it was a two story one, which was fairly rare because they don't often do two story because they're like mud hut style mm -hmm. ones. And so we got the sniper set up there because there was a wide open field on the right-hand side. And then on the left, there was like another smaller one. And so we were just kind of sit leaning up against it. 
and then there was like this road and a gray putt up ahead. And what that is, is like a rectangular kind of open roof. And there's like tiny rectangle holes all along each side so that when you hang things from it, it'll dry the grapes or whatever it is that they're drying. And so we sent two guys up ahead to one with the metal detector because the Brits carry those. Mm -hmm. And then we sent another machine gunner with him. And he's like, go clear that before we all go down this road. And we did that. And we were sitting there and I happened to be looking in that direction. It wasn't far from us at all. Excuse me. And he and Mark, uh, Mark was at the door and McLaren went inside and McLaren tapped a bundle of sticks by accident and there was an IED underneath it and it was covered. And so that thing acted like a human cheese grater and just sent him through and up. And so, and then it blew Mark, uh, he was at the front, uh, he was at the door down on one knee and he was just kind of in the position, like in the waiting. And it, so the blast kind of came through that door and it knocked all of his kit off. Like it ripped his helmet off. It ripped his plates off. It ripped everything off. Like I'm pretty sure it broke his leg. It bunch of blood on his arm and he was bleeding from the ears. And so when that happened, everything popped off. Cause like Paul will tell you, they watch and wait. They always have, somebody's always watching, mm-hmm. somebody's always filming, somebody is always doing something, but they're never far. When And so we have this thing called like an ICOM radio that the Terps sit on and they can hear them. And the whole thing is like static's clear, they're close. When it's gone, they're like not as close. And so they they started yelling like, over the fucking radio and it set me off. And the next thing you know, mortar rounds start coming down and like they're attack, actively attacking us. And then so... We see Mark kind of, kind of intense. start yeah. running towards us and Craig and I, the medic got up and we ran towards him and we kind of carried him down, like pulled him down. And he, the whole time he was just asking where McLaren was. Cause he was so disoriented and out of it kind of going into shock and just, where is he? Where is he? Oh, you're fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And so we, he bandages him up, gives him some morphine. And then I take off and go back with the other guys. And I, they're like, don't run along the road. So we jumped down into the ditch. And in Afghanistan, it looks like a bunch of marijuana trees kind of growing everywhere. And so we run through it. And it felt like we were running in this slow motion, like tunnel vision thing. Mm-hmm. And then we get there. And then we like one, two, three, run across the road. And we go inside the great putt. And then that was my first experience to seeing what an IED does to a human being. Mm. <sighs> I mean, to get through that, I mean, it had to be. Oh, that was difficult. day two. That's day two. <laughs> yeah. It was just a bad that's, op. That's the woman we're dealing with here, day two. Yeah. Well, and you Brit- served British. another, how many more years after that? Um, well, that's what happened after Afghanistan is I actually yeah. got sent home to the hospital and I did okay. outpatient treatment. And then after that, they spent the, the last two years trying to retrain me and get me back and they couldn't get me back to the standard. Okay. So they, the last real straw was they had me on a ton of meds. They sent me to work at Connaught Range, which is one of the largest Commonwealth ranges. And they have, so they have special forces working there. You have RCMP working there. You have regular police. You have all different. And you're clearing the ranges. And you're there's like a protected bird sanctuary. So you're doing all different types of things. Wait, hang on. So they have you on meds while you're still active duty? Oh, bro. I was on all the motherfucking meds. Wow. Hmm. They had me on a laundry. Dude, they put me on like legit like... I think there was probably no exaggeration, like three or four different strong meds I was taking while I was still in country at the FOB doing OP post tower stuff. Interesting. It was a great decision. We'll talk off there. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah, a good time. You know what I'm saying. So then, yeah. So that's then, the next show. Yeah, that's the next one. So then, yeah, I did this and then um, I went to clear a grenade range and then I got to the end of the sand and I buckled and I had a bad flashback and they said, she's done. That's it. So then they medically released me and it took me about like, nine months to get the paperwork done and then go through that process. And then they're like, bye. And I was like, okay. When did you start noticing that you were having mental? Oh no, no, no. I was like pulled off the operation. Like the operation half finished and they took me back to the base. And then I never slept again. 
for like four days and they sent me like immediately like I had to go do because I had to go to the British side and sit with the military police and do like the statements because we lost a bunch of people so they handwrite your statements oh, I see. and it's like page after page after page and then I just started acting all kinds of crazy like I couldn't sleep I couldn't I couldn't eat I would just not talk which is if you are getting this I talk a lot <laughs> so I just I shut up and then I started like I had an officer say something to me and I like told him off like insubordination charges were coming out. Like I was getting bad and they mm -hmm. knew something was, they knew Starting. the app was bad. They mm -hmm. knew the op went really wrong and then they could see what was happening to me. Yeah. And so they were like, she's, I, they sent me back out to the fob. I had a situation out there that happened. And then they're like, they sent me back to Kandahar and they're like, she's going, she's going back home. Like, so it was, it was, that was directly immediately. So how long, how long did you serve before you were honorably it, discharged? Uh, Four years. Four years. Yeah. So four years. At what point did you know or did you realize that you, it was time to get out? It wasn't a know? choice. It wasn't did a choice. I never wanted to get out. But you were, you were basically diagnosed. Yeah, I was diagnosed. And they and once and yeah. like basically said, once you're like diagnosed and mm -hmm. you're like this, like good luck. Did you try to hide any of, of that? Yeah, I mean, yeah but it could, it, there was no, I couldn't. Yeah. I was so, I, I was so off. Like I felt the moment, that I call it my light switch. I literally remember the moment that went off. Like off, off. How far was that from the McLaren op? I know you. It fucking it. happened on the fucking McLaren op. Yeah, I got you. That was the first two like days. first two days. The first thing because it was such a, I had like body pieces like in yeah like everywhere. So it was like it really it it that took that and then after the rest of that op like I had no empathy for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I should have shot her in the fucking face hole, but that was day one. <laughs> so I didn't. But if that was day three, I probably would have shot her in the fucking face hole. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't. I mean, to be, to be in the military at that time and for that long, I mean, did you... It wasn't even that long. That's the worst part. It seemed, I mean... It, it was so quick. It was a blip. But, I mean, how did, when did you, when did you, when was rock bottom for you then? I mean, is that... Rock I'm bottom saying, in I'm terms saying that of respectfully. Like, like, no, no, no. Like rock bottom yeah. in terms of like, what do you mean? Like in, while I was in the military yeah. or since I've been out? In the, mil in, the mil in the military, excuse me. When they gave me my paperwork and said I was leaving yeah. and it wasn't going to be a choice anymore for me. Uh -huh. That was rough. And so how did you recover from that? I didn't for a long time. I didn't for a long, long, long time. Did, was it, was it? So until I mean, 2000 and I mean, my, I met my, at the time he was my boyfriend. I met him before I deployed. He's my husband now. Mm -hmm. But um, I moved out across the country and I, we lived with his parents for a year and a half while we saved for a house. And then I wasn't, I've been in treatment. I'm still in treatment weekly. What was it? That was it survivor's yeah. remorse. Was it seeing survivor's guilt? Survivor's guilt. Excuse me. Was it, was it, what was it? Was it, you, you still wanted to be there? Did you feel like you had unfinished business? Was it? All of it. I, I didn't, first off, I didn't want to be alive. I had too many situations happens where I shouldn't have survived that. Or I should have been taken out or it should have happened or something should have, the round should have hit my hip. Like a lot of those things happened to me and I just was in the right place at the right time. And so for me, it was like, number one, revenge motherfuckers. Yeah. Number two, it was like, I got ripped away from my unit and I never saw my unit again. And so I had no, I had no closure. So for me, I had no closure. I had no idea what I wanted to do. But not only that is, I didn't know who the fuck I was anymore. And when now you're telling me my major throws paper at me and saying, it's easier if you would have died, it would have been less paperwork. Jeez. I'm oh like, well, I, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And so it wasn't, I don't even know what it all was. I just know it, it all culminated to like a very bad PTSD diagnosis. Like mm -hmm. it was, I was all aspects all the time. I attacked a Muslim family when I got back to Canada. Like it was physically like bad. And the story you, you was in a grocery store, correct? Oh, Walmart, Walmart. Super fucking awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not proud. So like it just, it, it was everything for me. It was, I wasn't sleeping. My nightmares were severe. Um, I couldn't be around anybody in a burqa, anybody who had a beard or looked like he, they were Middle Eastern at all. I, I was, I would go trigger crazy. Was it that human trust? Mm. It was just gone. I had no, exactly. Cause even like the women I would search who you would think are like these safe, safe, awesome. They're mm -hmm. just the mothers of, you know, circumstance. Right. But then they're just like these, at the time, these women I was with, they were just, I wanted to help them and I, I was told I would be helping the women and children and like freeing them from oppression and like all of those things, like from being stoned to death and not being able to vote and having run, running water and not being raped and not being fucking beaten by every person. And so for me, I just wanted to help them. And then when I saw the opposite and then I saw the worst of humanity and I looked at it in its fucking face, you lose all, you lose all hope. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but I think a lot of it is you don't quit and it's like i i get right now from yeah. you that you had a feeling that you that you quit yeah it's like i i, That's I didn't I get yeah, yeah yeah it was it wasn't a choice yeah. and that you're really forced. bothered me you're forced yeah, yeah, yeah it bothered like, me a lot so when did the healing begin you talk about healing yeah healing was good um healing's great healing's <laughs> awesome <laughs> it really didn't start till i started my company Honestly, um, I, I, how did the, how did the company start? Well, that's, it was my doctor's idea. He kind of mm -hmm. suggested our therapy in a session and his name's Dr. Greg Passy and he's, uh, mm -hmm. he's a vet himself, served in Rwanda and Bosnia during the genocide. He's this badass old man who just yells at me when I need it. And so he's been with me for 10 years and he's seen me all through the very beginning to where I am now. And, um, he was issued through the VA or, uh, yeah. So how it works for us, it's called, it was called the operational stress injury clinics, the OSI. And so I got him when I came to BC. The ones I had in Ottawa were not great. They weren't working. They tried like EMDR. We tried drugs. We tried different types of talk therapy. We tried all these things. And we, it wasn't working. Went to, when I went to BC, I got him at the OSI clinic, him and Dr. Mokasqueta. And they both, they both had like a tag team approach. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it took a long time to work. But one day he goes, you know, I think you should try something. I think we need to get your hands busy. Because at that point, I was just spending each and every day. You know, we would travel and stuff. Sure, my life looked like I was awesome, but like what they didn't see is like anytime somebody dropped a fork on the fucking ground, I'd lose yeah, my shit lose and like mm -hmm. start rocking, like couldn't be around fireworks. I still don't do well with those. So like there was things going on. Um, the meds were so bad that like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like eat a loaf of bread and no clue what happened. Like they just were such bad combinations with my body. And so I did, um, started art therapy with a pipe cutter, a drill and a hammer and um, my husband made me like this block of wood. So I stopped destroying our kitchen table because I was just fucking it up. And then I noticed that like one day went by and I didn't want to die that day. And then like the next day went by and I was like, I'm going to try to go buy stuff at a store. And like the next yeah. day went by and I was like, I'm not as angry. And then, you know, I would ebb and I would flow and I would do this up and down, up and down. And, but the art therapy was the constant and I would like get up and brush my teeth in the morning. I was like, oh, goals, teeth brushing. And so, you know, and then I started to make jewelry and then friends would be like, Hey, what is that? Can I buy it? Mm -hmm. And then my husband suggested, Hey, if you want to do this, like what kind of jewelry was it? It's just, Time. it was a bead. It was our original beaded bracelet, the warrior bracelet. It's okay. our patented one. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, it's like eight millimeter crystals. And I, cause somebody told me crystals could help my healing. And I was like, give them all <laughs> to my face. And so I started with crystals. Uh-huh. And I could string them on elastic. So okay. I was like, easy. So you were just making crystals. And, mm -hmm. and then what I did was I took a... And a, you had no prior art, no jewelry. Yeah. Oh, I have no clue at all what I'm doing. <laughs> so I had a pipe cutter and I would take a 7.62 round or a 5.56 and I would hang onto it with a pair of pliers and I would cut a, the end off like to about 
about that big there. Mm-hmm. And then I would take a hammer and I would hammer the edges smooth and I would take the drill and I'd pop at the firing pin and chamfer all the edges. And then I would wa- put it onto the bracelet and I would tie it and I'd be like, that's the warrior bracelet. And so I would sell those. And then I would- Any reason for the name? Or? The warrior bracelet? Yeah. It was, I really wanted, honestly, a lot of the stuff I come up with, like names wise, yeah. I don't do it anymore. But the warrior bracelet was like, I just- wanted something to show strength and that to me represented strength and so um he was like if you want to do this like my husband owns a successful company so did my father-in-law he's like we can you can have a business here Mm -hmm. i was like i can't do that like i don't know how and he's like let's just try so i just started cold like cold calling and knocking on doors on independent retailers and be like will you carry my jewelry (laughs) and they're like do you have a line sheet and i'm like i'll figure it out (laughs) they're like what's your margins i was like i don't know (laughs) What does fashion industry run on? They're like all different. So I was like, this isn't helping. And then so we got a photographer. We took pictures. We started a website. And then we just started from there. And then I knew I wanted a way to help my friends Mm -hmm. with these charities and organizations. And so I knew if I did something, I could donate the money. And so that's how it really kind of started. And that's how it grew. And that's how it. So we haven't even mentioned your company's Brass and Unity. Yeah, everything's Brass and Unity. Yeah. And. Brass stands for something. Bravery, that- retired, assistant soldier support, and unifying the public with that. Yeah, it's an awesome yeah. message. So yeah. we bought, uh, I say we, I got my daughter and my wife the warrior bracelet. And yes. I tried to explain to her, you know, <laughs> what that was. And, you know, so I, I do want to talk about the bullet, the bullet mm-hmm. casing you use and why the bullet. I mean, I, I listened to it before, but would you tell our listeners, you know, why you chose a bullet casing and... Well, and the crystals and what that means. Yeah. So for yeah. me, like the crystals were like le- legitimately someone told me like mm-hmm. crystals can help heal you. Mm-hmm. And if you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, that's like, ooh, I hear you. Trust me, bro. I got you. But <laughs> it's listen, there's a th- you do everything for a reason in life and you're pulled and connected to everything for a reason. And for whatever it was, that was going to be my thing. Crystals right. were going to be my thing. And mm-hmm. they were grounding and I heard they were healing. They take anxiety down. I was like, dope, let's do it. Right. Um, the bullet really for me was I wanted to feel close to who I was again. I, I don't, in Canada, we can't have like a lot of the guns that you guys can have. And we can't even have the same rifle that I shot overseas. So we can only have like handguns and then like certain other things. And so mm-hmm. I, I would call a friend and ask if I could have some of their casings. And then they would give me these casings. And I just, I knew if I could create something cool enough, people would wear it. And I wanted it to be like a sense of hope and a sense of inspiration or a sense of a conversation starter. So like if somebody saw it on your wrist and was like, oh, is that a bullet on your wrist? You're like, mm-hmm. yes, let me tell you why. <laughs> and it wasn't about growing the company. It was yeah. about going, let's talk about story. mental health. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our vets. Let's talk about the struggle with our mental health and our first responders. And that let's use that as the tool. And so if somebody sees something like, are you wearing a bullet? And you're like, fuck yeah, I am. Let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, it's a piece of jewelry. It's like this is a vehicle and this is how it helps people yeah yeah i, I appreciate it like i said the, the product's fire like Thank i mean I, I, my husband's designs like almost all of it does so. he yeah he's brilliant <laughs> awesome yeah. i think uh your husband what is who's your husband what's his name his name is brady sharon and he is the ceo of atlas neck brace technologies and matrix concepts as well your family's just just rad i guess yeah my, <laughs> I mean, fa- my father-in-law used to run the canadian arm of mechanics wear yeah gloves mm-hmm. so we learn business like in tears we don't go to business school we just mm-hmm. learn we learn as we go yeah so yeah. if you were to fail it would have been all on you and been like <laughs> yeah oh it's totally well, no, my just, fault they got atlas yeah you know? oh yeah no totally my fucking fault <laughs> yeah. it's okay i know it that's fine 
Yeah. I mean, it, it took off too. The company I mean, just took off. It's more than just bracelets. Yeah, we have sunglasses. You know? We're the only ones that can put bullets in sunglasses. So that's really cool. And all yeah. of our sunglasses are polarized. Commander, Commander 2.0. Yeah, we've yeah. got all of those. We've got the gunners. We've got uh, earrings, jewelry. Like we have high-end jewelry. We even put diamonds in jewelry for people. Um, mm-hmm. we, we just really try to be a unique piece that people can wear that's not just like something that they can go get at like Target or something. We want you to be proud of what you're wearing mm-hmm. and we want it to last mm-hmm. and we want it to be a part of your life so that you can have it, have those, and it allows you to have those conversations. Yeah. If it's in your life for long term, you'll always be remembering and thinking about those people. Yeah, awesome stuff. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's got to go through customs, though. Yeah, you got to put it, check it in your bag. <laughs> yes. Check it in your bag. But, you know, I fly down here and I find all my yeah. jewelry. I don't, even if, like, the, the bullet one's, like, on my necklace, like, I yeah. don't, I don't get, it, I'm good. But you, you'll go through, like, the odd one in Alberta mm-hmm. with, like, this weird dickhead, and he'll be like, you got to take that off. I was like, oh, you mean the non-existing firing pin and half of the casing missing? That's going to be a threat to you? <laughs> that feel good to you? Does that feel good? And then I cut it in front of them, and I'm like, mm. I have a warehouse, like. Bye, <laughs> dickhead. Well, really, come on. It's not going to hurt anybody. When I chuck it at you on the plane, that's about the most it can do. <laughs> I got a funny story. I was going through security, and uh, our last guest, Devin Jared, yeah. um, gave me a, uh, he gave me, what was it, a oh, Lapua? Yeah. Oh, like oh yeah. a 338 Lapua round? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And it's, yeah, don't pre- do that. it's pretty much a paperweight. It yeah. is. That's all. You, what are you going to fill it with? And what are you going to project? Like hit the firing pin again. That's already been fired. Yeah. Common sense, people. Use got, your brains. Well, it, was, it, got, it got stuck in my bag. Oh, and did they grab it? And the next day I was flying to a, a business meeting. Yeah. And sure as yeah. I got, got pinned, <laughs> you know, basically. I know. And it got stuck in a place where they couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. So 30 minutes later, as I'm running through the, you know, airport security, I'm late for my plane oh, al- no. already. And they're trying to find this. It's like buried. Yeah, it's buried. Aww. And sir, do you have anything that resembles a bullet? You're and like, right no, then, why it, would I? right then it clicked. I'm like, oh yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> and I thought for sure I was going to jail at that point. Well, if it, if it makes you feel any better, I try to carry a switchblade on by accident. Did you? <laughs> I had it in my purse and I forgot because I was having a knife on me and it's just in yeah. my pocket right there. Mm-hmm. And I totally forgot and went through security and remember Cooper and he goes, Miss, you can't have this. And I was like, you're fucking right, I can't. <laughs> totally forgot it was in there. Sorry about that, bro. And he's like, do you want it? I'm like, no, just, I'm not going all the way back. Just, no, it wasn't a big deal. It was just yeah. a little switch one, but totally forgot. Whoops. <laughs> totally forgot. I made the mistake by asking, well, can I at least have it back? No, no, that's a that. bad, no. Yeah, we got, we had a, we had some casings in our bag when we went up to China last January mm-hmm. and we went through the country, got in, no problem. We go to leave the country mm-hmm. and we're like about to board the plane and here comes security. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I don't want to go to the gulags. Don't do this. And they're like, you have something in your bag and they pull it out and it's like a bullet. And I'm like, and I got like, it was just like an empty casing and I started getting mouthy and then I remember what country and I was in. I was in and I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Take it. I don't care. Just don't keep me here. Yeah. All our listeners go check out brassunity.com. Please do. The stuff is awesome. And it's like I said, it's not just a product, but it's definitely a movement. It's got a message. It's a, it's a conversation piece too, you Mm -hmm. know? So I I really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate Um, that. That's very nice of you. You want to take a little producer pause with Paul? Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> uh, first of all, there I, I we didn't touch on it, but there was a story. Um, yeah, please. I know near and dear to your heart where you are at rock bottom and you make a phone call. Yes. And you make a phone call to the man sitting in the studio. And yeah, he answered your, the phone. Your life was pretty much saved. Saved because you were basing off he's answered that phone call or not. Right? Yeah, well, you know, him and I met very, very serendipitously and we had a very weird very odd everything seemed to work out for him and I like we lived across the country and there's no reason we should have met 
We did. And so I see that as a sign. And, you know, I really took that as a sign when it, when it came to like what was going on with me. And I was, I, I hit, hit really bad rock bottom at that point. And yeah. And I decided if he wasn't going to answer the phone, that was going to be the day. Yeah. And so the dick had answered the phone. Here we are. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad he, I'm glad you had the phone, buddy. Yeah, now we yeah. got this, we get this beautiful individual Thanks, spitfire, man. five foot of just, just tenacity. Sheer tenacity. Tenacity. Sheer loud noise. Chihuahua. <laughs> the best thing I could think of was tenacity. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's the safest bet right now at this point to say in front of her. Uh, here we go. Like we're all saying, we got positive producer Paul. We got, uh, I came up with my, my, my token questions that everyone loves to hate. Okay. Uh, and then we got some questions from the gram from a few uh, folks and okay. then we'll get into Raul's recommendations. Here we go. Mm-hmm. First one, we'll go ladies first. Okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Give Raul a break here. Would you rather... Never be stuck in traffic again or never get another cold. Never be stuck in traffic again. I'm always fucking sick. Traffic bad in Canada? It can be. I just hate people like in a car and then like you see their faces <laughs> and they're just sitting there and they're just like idiotic and not paying attention. <laughs> and then they just like either run into you because they're being stupid or they're just, they're just a horrible drive. I just, I, no, I'll have colds. Perfect. I'll take a cold. Well, I know what you're going to say. Southern California. Oh, yeah. Never be in traffic ever again. Yeah. Like, I just talked about my trip yesterday. It was two and a half hours. Should have took an hour and a half. Yeah. Two and a half hours to get there. There's no reason for that. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. I've driven down here. I know the it's drill. It's terrible. I hate it. All right, here you go. Next question. Good Start question. with Raul. Here okay. we go. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Excited. This is where it gets fun. <laughs> he looks nervous. I like it. So, uh, yeah, I, know you don't know I, know my, I know you don't know my boss. He's a super prepper. He loves being prepped. Oh, so me. this is stressing him the fuck out. Yeah, he oh, stresses it. me Give out. It to him. Yeah. You know what? My life goal is to make people uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, I love it. So keep going. He's like squirming. I know. I can see it. He's, he's visibly squirming. uncomfortable. It's Sweating. fantastic. He's looking at his, look his lips. Yeah. Just Turn give around. me the question, Paul. All right. <laughs> Let's get through this already. <laughs> Your life mm-hmm. has been deemed fantastic enough to be made into a movie. Hmm. Which Hollywood actor would portray you? Roll, what you got? Oh, Vin Diesel. All day. <laughs> I mean, Vin Diesel or Pitbull. Pitbull I mean. could do it probably. No problem. <laughs> this, oh. I mean, the swagger. I mean, oh. I mean, he's good looking. Right? Do you want to be portrayed by Pitbull? Let's try that one, though. We didn't ask that. Bruh. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, God. Oh, no. He did it. He said it. You need sunglasses on next time you do that. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Oh. Worldwide. You killed it. That was good. That's, that's best I, know, right? I can't believe you answered that. I know, right? All right, Kelsey. Yeah. Who's playing you? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, hopefully. One day. That's the goal. <laughs> that's what I would like to have happen. I see maybe maybe Demi Moore coming back or something. Demi Moore? No, fuck. She's like six foot. and she's <laughs> Demi Moore already did that. She already did it. She already did She did the G.I. Jane. Yeah. She can't do that again. Oh, G.I. Jane part two? Part two. I mean... It'd be like G.I.A.? G.I.A.? Oh, my God. All right, here we go. Next question. Great one. Great one. We'll go back to Kelsey. Okay. If someone came up to you and said, hey, do that thing you do, what is that thing? What thing would pop in your head first? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It could be anything at this point. I'm a big hugger. I, I don't like people, but I hug people. There you go. Yeah, I'm a big hugger. I don't know. I don't really have a thing that I do. I don't think. I yeah yeah. I don't. I don't do a lot of things. I right, roll. What do you do? What thing are you doing? Oh man, I I uh that thing that you do. Yeah, what do you? You're good. Are I you're, can. I mean, I'm great at karaoke. I'm oh, great at B fifty two. You're gonna sing on the spot. Oh yeah, I'm gonna sing on the spot. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, do that thing you do. I guess. Uh, 
I don't know. We got to come up with our slogan for him. <laughs> he, he can just start using Mr. Worldwide. We'll Mr. let him. Worldwide. Yeah. Do a pit bull impersonation. <laughs> yeah, that's his thing now. That's the thing that he does. So people go up to him and say, do that thing that you do. And you have to do the pit bull worldwide impersonation. I, that's that's it now. I answered that question. Literally. Yes, that. Bra. That's, there we that's go. his thing that's that he thing does. Do. <laughs> sure Fantastic. We made, we made it up. All right, last question from mm-hmm. my segment. We're all going to be off the hook here. Okay, got it. Good. All right. Uh, you guys are both, uh, you are in the mm-hmm. fashion industry. Raul loves his fashion. He's, he's always, he's always, uh, well dressed, well dressed, <laughs> you Got know, it. most of the time we're in work clothes, but here we yeah. go. We'll start with, uh, Kelsey. Okay. What fashion trends z- 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 need to be brought back? Bam. What do you got? Fashion trends that need to be brought back. I know I, I'm pretty happy with the one that's back and none of you are going to agree. It's good. Especially my husband. Corduroy. Fucking hates it. Corduroy. High-waisted pants. Oh, yeah. They make me so this. happy. I know I'm wearing high-waisted <laughs> shorts right now. Do you know how happy that makes a mother? High-waisted pants. Because you know what's back right now is low-waisted jeans. And there's no fucking way you'll ever catch me a pair of those again. You know what it's like to try to bend down to pick up a five-year-old and all his toys and you're always pulling at your pants? Get, guess what? High-waisted pants. Don't have to do that shit. Because they go up to your rib cage, motherfucker. And you know what's the best thing about those? They just stay there. They don't move. They're perfect. They're like mom jeans, but better. He hates them so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. I roll. I, I, I don't know if you can beat that, but what do you got? What are you bringing back? I don't know. Um, I love watches, so maybe the Swatch watch. Let's bring that back. Swat, the, the calculator watch? <laughs> oh, that one? That's even better. The yeah. calculator watch. The Casio? Yeah, from like the teachers being like, you're never going to have a calculator in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. You're like, motherfucker, do you see this I'm now? Gonna watch. I can yeah. call people tell me I mean, i'm gonna need the swatch it watch was fire it was, i mean everybody had one yeah you, you don't remember you're too young i'm 37 years old <laughs> i'm 37 years old did I'm you have a swatch that. watch nope exactly see <laughs> <laughs> there we go we got some questions from the gram okay. uh yeah. as you've seen we put some um you uh, bribed people to give you questions for stuff yeah but they give some good ones well okay. it's, it's a very <laughs> training people. topic i like that's so straight what you up. did we bribe. Hey, it's okay it's, it's fine if it gets the job done yeah here we go uh first one We'll go to combatflipflops.griff. <laughs> Who's better, Brian <laughs> or Griff? That motherfucker. <laughs> You're a horrible human being, Griff. You're a horrible human being. You know what? They are equally as great in my books. Suck it, Griff. Perfect. Uh, thanks, Griff. We're going to send you some swag. Here we go. Next question. BSB0108 wants to know, Kelsey... Red salsa, green salsa, or salsa dancing? Quick question first. Can I have a rebuttal question to that? Which one's the hot sauce one? Red. red. I want red then. Oh. I like hot sauce. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, how did you well, not know which one was hot? Because yeah. in Canada, we're just like mild, medium, or hot. <laughs> and that's and they're all like similar colors. And then that's just Chipotle. We don't have a lot of like good Mexican. <laughs> mild, medium, or hot. Hot, always. Well, we're going to get a culture here. Well, you're gonna, I know you guys are... Anyways, we'll get there. Right. Anyways. All right, here we go. Let me shut my mouth. Uh, Real.outdoor.obsession. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, buddy? He wants to know, what is your hometown support like? Non-existent. <laughs> I'll call like, you Who's out. this lady? Campbellford, Ontario. They're like a, I, I, I didn't fully, I did like all my high school there. Before that, I was in a smaller town called uh, Coburg, Ontario. And I, I went to Catholic school. Till I was in grade 10. And then I did the rest of the time in Campbellford. And um, I think I've got like the the handful of friends. But truthfully, I, I pieced out of there pretty fucking quick. And I made it very clear that I'm not a small town person. So I think it's more, I'd like to see more support from out there. But truthfully, the East Coast, I just, for some reason, it 
people haven't really caught on to the brand the way the rest of the world has. And so, let's talk about that. You've been on Ellen. It's been a um, morning show. You're, you've yeah. Been, so yeah, we did, um, we did Ellen twice. Um, we went on with Beth bears. She was uh, a celebrity. She's uh, on the two broke girls and uh, the neighborhood. And so we had a collection with her, um, Kevin Hart. We met with him. He's worn it. Um, Julian Huff, Michael Buble, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Whitney Cummings, Kat Dennings. Um, then we did uh, last last year. I went on Good Morning America um, on Veterans Day, and then right after that, I did the Carson Daly Show with Mind Ma- his new show on Mind Matters. He had me on. It's a mental health show. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Carson was we talked for we were supposed to talk for like an hour. We just like blew that mm-hmm. right out the window. Um, so I yeah I mean I've I think it's been around, uh, but obviously some of Canada hasn't really co- honestly truthfully we're more known down here than we are at home. Yeah. And you were on doctors and you guys gave, we went on the doctors, $10,000 to a, a, a veteran family that lost its home in a fire. And you guys are at half a million dollars. With the donations. Yeah. yeah mil- we've done a half a million dollars with the donations of the, of the time frame of my company. And we, yeah, we donated $10,000. It was me and a few other people. We got together and I got an opportunity. I heard about this vet at a trade show and I was like literally looking to talk to a charity to give someone 10 grand to. And then this lady overheard me talking from a different booth and was like, did you say you're looking for a vet who needs help? And I said, yeah. And so she's like, I've, hey, I have this vet that is like, literally you can search him, check him out. And I found out that his like whole house, they have four kids, they, it, it burned down. And luckily the kids weren't in there because like the full kids area went first. And it was like a fourth generation home and they lost mm. everything like right before Christmas. So we got a chance to get them on the doctors. And then with that, the doctors got a ton of people, like all their mattresses, all their toys, everything replaced. And then we gave them 10 grand. And um, yeah, Nick, uh, Nick is a great guy. And so, yeah, we helped out with that. We try in every way we can. We work with charities. You know, we donate uh, every time, every time a sale comes, it gets donated. And so like, I work with different organizations. You know, Honor House in Canada is like our main one. They're like Ronald McDonald for first responders and military. Your whole family can go stay there. It's started by Al Genova. It's one of the greatest foundations I've ever worked with. You know, we work with people like, Children of Fallen Patriots out in D.C. where they get, even if your father passes away, your mother passes away, however it is, and you're bar- not even born yet, mm-hmm. they've got your schooling covered. Oh. So it doesn't oh. matter. So you know, I try to work with these types of people, Vets Canada. Um, it's really important because they're the ones that are doing the hard work, right? And so I, I try to spread the word, but it takes shows like yours and other people learning who we are to really yeah. implement that strategy and, and hit the ground running really hard with it. Cool. Wow. wow. Thanks, man. Happy, happy to help. Uh, last question here. Yep. From Chaz Doss, uh, D-O-S-S, if that makes any sense. Cool. Uh, what is something that you would you learned in the military that we can use in line work or just construction or just mm-hmm. uh, what um, do you think? Uh, well, number one, shit rolls downhill. So uh, if, if you're fucking up, uh, then the people below you are going to die because you guys work in, in you work with power and... Um, not even going to compare, but I've electrocuted myself one time, one time only. And it was a minor thing. And I never want to experience that again in my life. And so, you know, the number one thing when you're doing a type of job that you guys are where death is an, an option, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. where, where that can happen and you can die on your job by not being complacent, by not paying attention, by not doing your drill, by not communicating. The number one thing I would always say, and I run this in my business and in my life, over communicate, talk, 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 talk over communicate and always, always, always ask for support because you're going to hurt yourself. If you try to do something that you you need help with, just have no shame in asking for help, always communicate. And, and remember if you fuck up, you're going to, you're going to hurt someone. So just communicate, focus. Those types of things are really, really important in your type of line work. 
Perfect. I mean, well, we operate. Well yeah, we yeah. operate three-way communication all the time, and we stress yeah. it. And, and that you couldn't have said it better. Uh, I heard, I heard uh, self accountability as well. In there. That's a big one yeah. too, because that people, was a huge message. you got to have your own, mm-hmm. you got to have your own self motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not doing a good enough job, like that's just the reality of things. And if you get complacent, that happens. So you need to be a self motivated individual, and you have to be a person that cares about the people around you. Yeah, and if you don't know, ask. Like you said, always ask. Yeah, check it, the ego and just ask for help. Yeah, because you're gonna, you're yeah. gonna. <laughs> I've had so many people. I've had people, yeah. you know, step on stuff, and well, there go your legs. Mm-hmm. So you're like. Should have asked. Should have asked. That's all I would have taken. Yeah. But yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah. right. Last uh, last segment we got here. Raul recommends. What you got, Raul? What do you recommend this week? <laughs> great job with that. What do you like? What I you like think? that segment. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Oh, slid Thank right you. in there. <laughs> great. So what are you she recommending, said. Raul? Um, recommending. I'm gonna pay my fee to Andy Frisella. Sweet. Right. Uh, I'm gonna recommend uh, his podcast, uh, Real AF Podcast with Andy Frisella, specifically Podcast 106. No sacrifice is necessary. And it's changing the mindset, um, understanding sacrifices, and almost changing your mindset and making it an investment. Think of an investment more. So I'm recommending Podcast 106. I like it. All right, Kelsey, you're up. Whatever you got, whatever you want. What am I going to recommend? Can I recommend? Does it have to be a podcast in particular? Anything you want. I'm going to recommend Combat Flip Flops. Because awesome. they are doing great work in Afghanistan. They've uh, aided li- 800 child- uh, little girls have had been taught how to read. Literacy is key. They're also doing great work to get their interpreters out of the country right now, which is a huge thing that's happening before they all get wiped out by the Taliban. So that's a time-sensitive thing. So I recommend that always, always, always. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I guess for me, really, I recommend, uh, I re- I recommend meditation and um, breath work. Uh, take the time, learn about it. Um, if you deal with anxiety and stressors and you're in a high pressure job, I had it happen recently where a cop pulled me over and him and I went at it for a while, like at it. And by the end of it, uh, I got him doing breath work in the car before he left. And so I, I recommend meditation, uh, mental health checks and, uh, looking after your brain and taking the time. What do you do? A Von Hoff? Say, say again? The Von Hoff breath work? Breathing te- 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 I don't know which one's that. Oh, he's, uh, I believe I might have mis, mis, misread, but I think that's pretty popular. Ben Hoff. The, yeah, I don't know the name. I, I know what I was taught and it's the four in, four out, hold for four. Okay. And then the four in, four out, hold for four. And just repeat that in a cycle. And if you just sit down five day, five minutes a day and literally meditate, take your fucking watch off, turn your phone off. And I mean, sit there yeah. still and don't mm-hmm. think, just try not to, try not to not think, just sit there still. Because it makes a difference in your, not only your focus and in, in your clarity, but it allows you to reset. And often, especially in your type of line of work, mm-hmm. you're you're on high adrenaline all of the time. You need to take that down. It's not good for your nervous system. You need to take that down. And so, yeah. breath work and meditation. And yeah, mind, um, mind space. Um, yeah, that There's one's great. There's another one. Head headspace. Headspace. Uh, yeah, headspace. Mm-hmm. And then we use another one. I'm trying to think of what it's called right now. Um, for the life of me, but headspace is a great, mm-hmm. great one. But there's a couple other ones um out there. And I know there's one. Um, I'll let you guys know the name because for the life of me, I can't remember if you mm-hmm. want to put it on. But I know if you email them and you can't afford the subscription, they they will give you a free year free. Wow. And so for me, and it's a meditation, breath work, it's, it's, it's an incredible app. But if you just reach out to them, ask for it, they'll, they'll give it to you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. That's all I got, Roll. Oh, you got? Yeah. Pain, well, painless. I'd like to go back to the book. Good fucking design advice? <laughs> yes. That's those guys. Yeah, they sponsor my show. They're I, incredible. Yeah, thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. This is a great book. Good. I'm um, so glad you like it. Yeah. It's, it's all you. It's all you. So I want to go to 
want to go to something on the book here? Go for I it. I want to read it to you. Um, just to kind of close out our show, which has been completely amazing. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, commitment requires sacrifice. To get something out of your work, you have to give up your time and effort. To get something out of your dreams, you have to give up much more. You have to give up comfort, vulnerabilities, and inhibitions. You have to, go, you have to give up being right. Succumbing to fear might protect you from known dangers, but it will also rob you of an unmanaged, unimagined benefit. Excuse me. That is when I when I read that, I completely thought about you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And that's why I kind of picked it here. But I mean, what's your thoughts on on the commitment and you know that you had to put in everything you've done? Was there a lot of sacrifice? Oh yeah, there's always sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you, I sacrificed uh, my. I sacrificed, I don't want to say, I didn't sacrifice me, but I sacrificed my psyche for a long time. I, mm-hmm. I s- sacrificed my body. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm rough on it. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's, it's, I don't know any other way. Would you have changed anything? Never. Not for a fucking second. No regrets S- in my life ever. I've done, up to this point, I've done, all I know is that I've done the best that I can do in everything I do. And as long as I continue to do that, everything will just be fine. Yeah. I, um. I agree with you. I think you definitely, you made the decisions you've made and along the way and you sacrificed, but I don't think you would ever go back and change anything because no. it molds who you are today. Yeah. And that's why you're sitting here <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> and that's why you're such a great person. Thanks man. And, um, you know, you're, you're CEO podcast host. Um, obviously we robbed your intro music, which I think is so, so I cool. Loved it. I love it so much. <laughs> that's why, that's I why we were laughing. So much. And I actually told, I said, Paul, did you hear her intro music? <laughs> you <laughs> robbed it from her. Yeah. So obviously, obviously we look up to you and well, I appreciate you know, that guys. I do. And, um, the combat veteran for this, the, you know, the, your, your years of service. Thank you. And, um, I really appreciate everything you've done. Um, but we didn't really, we haven't really talked about your book coming out. And I want to take a second to give you an opportunity mm-hmm. to, if we can talk about your book. Yeah, we can talk briefly about it. I yeah. mean, it's, it's not out yet. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll definitely, when I come back down to do round two with stuff, I'm mm-hmm. like more than willing to come back on and talk everything that I told you guys before. Um, but yeah, I, I did get an opportunity to write a memoir about my life. And um, so that right now is being worked out. We've got, uh, it's done, but we're re-adding a little more things, a little more pulling a little more emotion out of it with a, a better writer that's going to help me do mm-hmm. that. And, you know, you got to know where your strengths and your weaknesses lie. I'm not a writer, so I'm cool with having somebody come in and be like, hey, let's, let's, use, some big, little, yeah, yeah. let's use some big girl word, words. And I was like, <laughs> and a little less fuck. And I was like, okay, we can do that. So, you know, I've been really grateful, but it's, you know, the, the beautiful thing is it's mm-hmm. it's going to be called brass and unity so you'll be able to buy it on amazon okay. you'll get it at barnes and noble you'll be able to get it all over the place well, I, hope I don't have to buy it you're not gonna get a signed copy don't even worry about it <laughs> please, please. <laughs> that was that was my next ask was of course. if i could get a signed copy you're please. damn right you can as soon as it comes out as soon as we have dates and times we'll come back then we'll talk about it and we'll give you all the other info and, mm-hmm. and and let you in on all the cool things do you know anticipate when it'll come out we're talking to all those big things uh within like the next two months so oh, wow. we'll have some answers for you at least at a bare minimum them we'll have some more answers awesome yeah yeah i'm super, super stoked i'm super excited about thank it. thank you so much we're a big, big book guy he's got all the yeah, tabs yeah. he loves 
Yeah, I can see your tabs. That's the most tabbed book set, like on tab. That's impressive. <laughs> He's a prepper. Like I'm a, you know what? I have a girl. Okay, so here I'm gonna make somebody super uncomfortable right now. The president of my company is named Tally Aldous. Mm-hmm. She's my wife. And here's the thing. She's the most organized between her and Victoria, who's our accountant. They're the most organized like tabbers and like folders and label makers and highlighters. Like that's arguably worse. That's worse than her. So you can see like. That's impressive. Do you have, is that alphabetical? I took Jocko's extreme ownership book Ah. um, and I made it a field manual. Well, for God's sake. So here's the. Now I wish I would have done that before tomorrow because now I just look like an asshole. What do you mean tomorrow? I'm going on Jocko tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, of course. You want to talk about that? It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to talk about that. You yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure if, it, if we yeah, could no, talk I about can talk, it. I'm going on Jocko tomorrow. I was on. Um, could you have him sign this for me? I could probably do that for <laughs> no, you. Just, you. I had. Um, you have him take a selfie with me? I think he would be yeah. impressed. I mean, literally took this and made it I'm a not field ga- I'm not going to lie to you. He'd probably be impressed. I'm going to take a picture of that <laughs> or and show freaked him. Out. <laughs> or a bit of, no, you know what? He would appreciate that. He would appreciate that. But yeah, I did, um, doing Jocko tomorrow mm-hmm. and um, I did Cleared Hot with Andy Stump on Friday. And the day before that, I did, uh, there's a podcast coming out with Bishop. And uh, his show is called The Lone Element. And so I did one with him and my husband did one with him. And so, yeah, those are the those are the big ones. And then we've got a couple other ones we're working toward right now. But those are the ones that will have episodes out in the next couple of weeks. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, his the, the leadership principles alone from Jocko. I mean, we're driving, driving it through our organization. And that's you fantastic. Know, and I can so tell all of our leaders get, you know, a book. We're making sure that they got him. You know, it's a you guys should manual. have him come talk sometime. That would be awesome. Talk about me. Now, that's the guy you guys want to have come talk. Hey, Jocko, what do you think? (laughs) You never know. Hey, you never know until you ask. Right. If you don't ask, you'll never receive. You got to ask, man. You got to put it out there. Put it out in the universe. That crystal shit works, bro. (laughs) I'm not even joking, dude. Here I am. Trust. I wonder what crystal I need to get Jocko on the show. That fucking guy would probably eat it. Black Onyx? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be something. Yeah, he's got some stuff. Steel? Yeah, just like metal. (laughs) Metal? Just like a a weight. Just like a a plate weight. A kettlebell. Like a a clock that goes off like after 4.30. Right. 4.31. 4.31. Yeah, 4.31. You're fucking late. God damn it. You're terrified. You slept in. Yeah, you slept in. You got to be up before the enemy for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't live by that right now though. No? No, that's... My son's up at... 435 every day anyway so we just live you gotta be up before jack like you gotta be up before the our mini terrorist <laughs> or he'll get into the nutella you think i'm fucking around that kid eats nutella by the spoon if we don't get up in time what about uh the pew pew uh what's that the canadian stuff what canadian stuff pew, uh starts with the p peanut butter no <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some what? canadian stuff what's a canadian what is it what are you talking about fruit or something like it's it? like uh, like a nutella oh, i know you guys do the the, the caesars <laughs> Caesars? Caesars? Yeah, those are this. good. Don't you da- don't you dare tell me Caesars aren't great. Huh? Yeah, Vegemite or something like that. Vegemite? That's Australian. Oh, no, there's something else. Putin? Putin? I'm going to go with protein something, no, but no, I don't no. know what you're talking about, oh, bro. Oh, gosh. No, it's Nutella. Everybody eats it. Get on board, bro. <laughs> but seriously, he'll eat it by the spoonful if you don't get up and either hide it or whatever. He doesn't eat sugar. Like, our kid was not had no sugar. He's mm. never had anything but water and breast milk. <laughs> I'm not even fucking kidding you. And so this kid doesn't even like juice or anything. But Nutella... We gave him one piece of Nutella one time and it, his eyes just like, <laughs> ah! and now we have to hide, not kidding, the Nutella. That stuff is good. Yeah. He's a sociopath. It's, fine. <laughs> it's great. It's a great time. Well, it's, this has been a great time. It really has. We I can, appreciate I, it. We, can, can, we should have started with Jocko, I think. No, <laughs> no, don't worry about it. You know, at the beginning, you know what you do when you have the episode come out, you'll be like, 
this one was just on here. Right. And then you link it and you tag it and you hashtag it and then you get it. You get it? You, you get it. it. You got it. Circle. I, uh, I, I, we had a lot of fun thank again, you. you know, thank you so much for coming out. Oh, oh um, it's my pleasure. Honestly, you guys have been nothing but welcoming. I, yeah. I was, when Spencer brought it up, I was like, uh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I? I mean, I'm just, I'm grateful for the opportunity and I'm grateful yeah. to talk to people of like-minded, like-minded ways and the, the, your leadership qualities and what you bring into your company and your business and how it's a trickle down effect. Yeah. You're obviously doing something correct. And, and that to me, that. well, you're, mm-hmm. you're very welcome. So obviously, you know, you have something to say that's worth it. And that's mm-hmm. important to me. And those people that are doing those types of things and, and giving that type of leadership need to be acknowledged and need to be highlighted and, and lifted up. We need more of that in our world and you're doing that. And so thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you for that. No worries. Um, I do want to, I do want to thank, uh, Spencer. You mentioned, you mentioned Spencer, yep. Spencer, Spencer Kirksey. Uh, thank you very much for setting this up. I no don't, worries, you know, man. I don't think we could have made the connection without him. So just a just a quick shout out for Spencer. Thank you. Um, do you have any final words for our listeners? Care, any message? care about your mental health, care about your mental health. Take the time to mm-hmm. invest in it. Um, I always say there's plenty of vets out there that are struggling. We have tw- over 22 suicides a day. That's been a common known thing for a long, long time. And we all talk about it, but, um, the, at the, the bottom, the, you know, the, the, Fact of the matter is, uh, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but until we're actually making the change and putting the work in to do it, it's mm-hmm. not going to change. So reach out, have a conversation. Don't be afraid to say that you're struggling. Um, I always say, if you can't find help, hit us up at Brass and Unity. If we can't help you get anything, the least we can do is try to find you some support. We have support systems. I know lots of people and I make lots of calls and I have no problem doing that. So if you can't get help anywhere else, at least reach out to us, shoot us an in, like, info at Brass and Unity. Mm-hmm. And um, the worst we can do is try to find you some support, but just reach out and ask. Everything's Brass and Unity, right? Everything for, is. And, and for just our listeners. the number one thing is like, please just remember if you take anything away from this of what I've said and joked around in all seriousness, suicide right. is not the answer. Right. does not have to be at all. And so you need to reach out. And that's really my my takeaway from that. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank, Thank you so you. much. I'm looking forward to lunch today. Woo, me too. <laughs> hungry. Getting hungry, right? Yeah. Paul, did you have a good time? Yeah, thank you. That was great. Kelsey, yeah. thank you. Uh, thank Raul, you, you did a great job too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, guys. Well, cool beans. Guys out there, I um, want to thank all our listeners for uh, listening today. Uh, it's a great message. Uh, Brass and Unity, check it out. It's, it's you know, got all the good stuff, uh, good message. And, Please, 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 like um, Kelsey has mentioned, you know, maintain that strong mental health. I think that's a good message. Um, Yeah, I want to thank all of our promotional partners today. Uh, It's been a great time. Um, Always, you know, be safe out there, guys. Be fit for duty and always be your brother's keeper. And yes, we stole your song. Stole my fucking song. (laughs) Thank you.